change in my life. Uh, about a year ago, you know, we were, we were on baby number three, and the bills are tight. The mortgage has to be paid, and, you know, I'm just not making quite enough. So I'm really crying out to God, Lord, you have to open a door for me. You got to, <laughs> I need you right now. I need Papa. I need Papa's provision. And uh, so I just, you know, I just in faith stepped out there. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to see what I can find. Well, you know, a door closed on me. I had an interview and everything, and it looked promising. And the guy was like, yeah, you know, if, if you just had this, we would have hired you. You know, just, you know, this was that this thing that, that was missing. And then I was at a job kind of bummed out. <clears throat> but all of a sudden, some guy said, hey, man, are you looking for a job? <laughs> you know, I had been working with him for a while, and, and I guess he liked my style. And he's like, you know, we're hiring, and I think you would be perfect for it. And I said, well, yeah, I'm looking. He's like, well, here's my, here's the president's email. You know, send him your resume. So I sent him my resume. This is about uh, in January last year. And, uh, you know, I went through the whole thing, and they were sitting on it, and they, they weren't hiring. I mean, they were hiring, but they didn't hire on the spot. So I was kind of like, oh, God, you know, what would I do, blah, blah, blah. Finally, I get a phone call, and uh, they're like, hey, you should come out. We want to see you. You know, we're going to make you an offer. So I sat down. After, you know, this had been after an interview and all. I sat down with the president, and he's like, you know, we're going to make you an offer. And it was like 40% like an increase of what I was making already. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I was like, wow. You know? And uh, I said, yeah, where do I sign, you know? And I just saw it as a testament for uh, just God's provision, you know? He, he, he did, he's, he's, your, he's our Abba. He's our Father. And. He doesn't uh, leave us just, you know, to fend for ourselves. The Bible, Jesus said that, you know, he cares for us. If he cares for the birds in the air, he'll care for us too. Amen. So I just wanted to pray and I encourage you guys to just trust the Lord. Trust your father. He is your father. He won't, we won't, he won't abandon you. He won't uh, let you go. So, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for being Abba. Thank you for being our Papa. You love us so much, God. You won't abandon us. You won't leave us. You won't forsake us. Oh, God, when others count us out, when others say, oh, if you only had this much, God, you say, I have more than enough for you, son. And, God, you provide. And I pray that everyone here who has a need, Lord God, would just lift it up to you, that they would trust you, God, that they would say, oh, God, I need you, and that you would provide for them, Lord. Bless this service and bless our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise for that testimony. Come on, let's keep our hands together like that. Well, he is so good. Come on, we invite you to come to the front. We invite you to get crazy in this place as we worship a good God. He is good. He is worthy of all the praise. He is worthy of our shout. He is worthy of our dance. He is worthy of it all. Come on, let's sing it out. We're going to sing. Whoa, whoa. Sing with us. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
build our bodies. Time for Holy Ghost parties. Dance, dance, dance. The Lord has healed our bodies. Time for Holy Ghost parties. Dance, dance, dance. The Lord has healed our bodies. Time for Holy Ghost parties. The Lord is If you know, if you know the Lord's been good to you, if you know the Lord's been good to you, if you know the Lord's been
You are worthy. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. When I call on your name, you answer. When I fall, you are there by my side. You delivered me out of darkness. Now I stand in the hope of new life. Come on, sing it again. When I call on your name, you answer. When I fall, you are there by my side. You delivered me out of darkness. Now I stand in the hope of new life. By grace. By grace I'm free, you've rescued me, now all I am is yours, I found a love greater than life itself, I found a hope stronger and
is no love like the Father's love. Though our hearts have searched the earth for the love like the Father's, we have not found one because there's none that compares, no one that is greater than Him. No one that can love you like Him. The Holy Ghost is in this room. Come on, we are a church that believes in the power of the Holy Ghost. We believe that the gifts of the Spirit will move and operate as we give room and space for it to do. So now is the time. We're going to give time and space for words to come forth. If you have a word in your heart from God, you are free and released to speak it now. us God and what we say back to you is we love you we love you too our hearts cry is that we love you Jesus hallelujah hallelujah we thank you for love hallelujah come on there's room for one more word
There's no place I would rather be than here in your love, here in your love. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than here in your love, here in your Come on in. 
presence of the Father and the Son, we thank you. Thank you that you are a holy God, a great God, and you stoop down to be with your people here on earth. That you are from a, a place that is holy. You are from a place where you're worshipped by angels, and yet you want our worship. There's nothing like that for us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the honor and the privilege that you live in us, that you live among us, that you receive our worship with delight, that you love to spend time with us. Lord, we're blown away. We thank you. I just want to sing that that part of the song we were just singing about the courts, uh, being in God's courts, but that our heart and flesh cry out for the living God. My heart and flesh cry out to you, the living God. Your spirit's water to my soul. Come on now. For those who know it, I've tasted and I've seen. Come once again to me. I will draw near to you. I will draw near to you. My heart and flesh. My heart and flesh cry out to you, the living God. Your spirit's water.
May we long to fellowship with you, Lord. This is what we're made for. This is our purpose. We love you. We bless you as a church. I thank you, God, that we came together for this. Be with us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Glory. You can find a seat here in this these main sections here. The side sections we're, we're not going to open right now. And uh, we're going to have our children um, sent to uh, King's Kids. And they're already on their way. So on, on my uh, right side there heading out. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Metro Praise International. My name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Isn't God good? We were just hanging out with Jesus. And when we hang out with someone so awesome, we can't help but notice how awesome they are, how amazing they are, how good they are. We can't help but be grateful to somebody who's done so much for us. And so we were expressing that to him as a family. We believe Christianity is a relationship with Jesus, but it's not a personal relationship. It's a family relationship. We're all brothers and sisters uh, in the family of God, our Heavenly Father. Amen. I want to share with you the gospel. We have a conviction that for the benefit of anybody here who does not know Jesus, you're not a Christian. Maybe you're from another religion. Maybe you're atheist. Maybe you're agnostic. Or maybe you are... Uh, lukewarm, you profess Jesus by name, you say I'm a Christian, I go to church, but really your life has not been changed, you don't really know the Lord the way the Bible says you should, and you saying you're, you're a Christian is actually meaningless, we want to preach to you too, amen, and also we want to proclaim the gospel because God is worthy and uh, to build up the people that are saved and remind us of this truth, so if we could get this scripture up on the screen, John 3, 17 through 18. This gospel is good news. Everyone say, good news. It's the good news about Jesus. Who Jesus is, and then what Jesus did for you and for me. Jesus is the Son of God. He is fully divine. He came to earth, and He became a man in every way like us. And as a man, He suffered and died on the cross. And the Bible says that He bore in His body our sins and what that means is when he was on the cross it was not just the pain of execution but with sin which is evil deeds and behaviors and attitudes it's rebellion against God with sin comes suffering with sin comes pain with sin comes the wrath and the punishment of God and when Jesus hung on that cross he bore in our body he absorbed all the pain all the suffering caused by our sins and all the judgment from God that our sins deserve your sins and mine make it personal friend Jesus died for your sins your lies your rebellion your sexual immorality he died for it. He suffered under the wrath of heaven for it. It was gruesome. But moreover, he raised from the dead and he beat death because the wages of sin is death. The sting of sin is death. And because we're sinners, we're going to perish. But Jesus beat death 
and he raised in a glorious resurrection. The Bible says he's the first fruit of the resurrection. And when we see him, we will be like him. Just as he lives forever, we live forever. Jesus said, because I live, you also will live. Now those are big words, but he backed them up, didn't he? That's the gospel, and I want to tell you something. You need to believe that gospel today. You need to embrace that gospel today. You need to apply it to your heart today. And I want to say this, there's no other way but through this gospel. Look at John 3.17. These are the words of Jesus. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him and is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. He did not come into the world to send Billy to hell or to send Jose to hell or to send any of you to hell. The fact is we were already condemned. Some folks, they like to mock at Jesus because we represent Jesus as being gentle and kind and compassionate and patient. And that's true. But some folks mock and they say, oh, gentle Jesus is going to send me to hell just because I don't believe in his religion. No, you're sending yourself to hell. You're already on a one-way ticket to damnation, my friend, through your sin, rebellion, all the things we've named. And he came to save you from it. And let me tell you something. There's no other offer on the table. You're not going to negotiate and wheel and deal with God. There's no plan B. You trust in Jesus. You cling to Jesus. You follow Jesus. You obey Jesus. And there's no other way but what I'm telling you right now. It's the only way to escape hell and to enter heaven. It's the only way to go from being an enemy of God to a friend of God, from a child of the devil and of this world to a child of God. It's the only way from having a stone-cold heart that resists God. And even when you keep God's commands, it's out of religion, it's out of pride and self-righteousness to having a heart that's warm and soft and loves God and people and is transformed. The only way to achieve this is by trusting in Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can save you today. I want to get a couple of prayer workers here. If this is a new concept to you, salvation comes by faith. If that's a new concept to you, if before today you have not understood that the way to have peace with God is by trusting in Jesus, pastors Berto and Griselda, they want to pray with you. They want to encourage you about the grace of God, that God loves you, that today you could be a new person. They want to walk you through that process. They want to teach you what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. If we all could stand. And in your heart, pray, just, just in your heart, if you have, if you, if you, if you recognize you need Jesus, if you recognize that you have not really been a Christian the way the Bible says to be a Christian. If, if you've not believed in Jesus, you've been a disbeliever up to this point, I want to encourage you right now. Jesus is God. And God is everywhere. And God knows everything. And God is here and now. And God can hear you now. So as I pray in your own heart, pray. Get the sin out of your life. Get the junk out of your life those things that God calls sin and yet the world calls fun. Get that out of your life. 
and say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I believe you. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to live for you. Change my life forever. And he'll do it because he's God. Father, I pray for everybody here that is not in Christ. They're not saved. They're not with you. God, that you would make this message abundantly clear to them. That they would understand right now and believe in their heart that your son came to save them from condemnation and that they would reject anything else that they're trusting in to save their life or to give their life meaning, that they would just look to Jesus this morning. I pray, God, for your blessing on everybody here, that they would just be a decisive day for people here and even Christians, Lord, that they would just strengthen their resolve to trust in Jesus. We love you and bless you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. We want to say together a confession of faith. And this is part of believing in Jesus. This is Jesus' worldview, and we want to make it our own. Amen? So we're going to say this together at the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and Creator, who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in His death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. We want to take a moment to fellowship. If you need Jesus, come to your pastors right there. Greet someone you haven't met yet.
Amen. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Metro Praise International. Thank you very much. We're so excited that you joined us this morning at MPI on behalf of all the leaders. We welcome you. If this is your first time uh, here, just wave your hand in the air. Let's give it up for all of our first-time visitors here this morning. Come on, clap it up. For those that don't know me, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. Again, welcome to Metro Praise. We are excited to serve Jesus with you and for you uh, and to help you lead you closer to the Lord. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. So we have two services available for you. And then Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m. for ages 11 to 18 years old. So our teenagers are rocking it out for Jesus. We have overflow parking available for everybody. We have one parking lot directly behind the church and another one right next to it. So please feel free to use either one at your convenience for a, both services, whichever one you uh, want to come to, the one you're coming to, or if you ever come to the 1 p.m., both parking lots are available. Our vision here is very simple here at MPI. It's loving God and loving people. Isn't that a great vision to have? Come on, the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. And our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to Jesus in the church. We want to mentor you to live like Jesus. And then we want to send you out to go share Jesus. On the back of your handouts, we have uh, our life group schedule. So the first we want, to, we want to do is connect you to the church, connect you to Jesus through our life group. Somebody say life groups. Find a place to belong. There are so many different types, uh, kinds of life groups for you, for your age, for where you are in family, whether you're single or married, have children, don't have children, there is a place for you to belong. We want to give you a snapshot of what's coming up this week. So today we have our marriage group meeting. Come on, married folks, make some noise. We always have childcare available for that. That is today at 6 p.m. And then Tuesday, we have the Resistance Elevate Life Group. Come on. That's 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. meeting at the church. And then every Wednesday, we have our King's Kids Life Group. Come on, somebody. Infant to 11 years old, drop them off at 6.30 here at the church and pick them up at 8. Go enjoy a free night to yourself and, let it, and, and just know that our leaders here are taking care of your children and raising them up in the ways of the Lord. And then every Friday we have two adult Bible studies, one at the Govea's house, the other one is at the Walker's house. Both have child care, both are for 18 years and up, and both are at 7 p.m. So if you are above the age of 18 years old, there is a place for you to belong on a Friday night to fellowship with people in the church, build relationships, and learn more about Jesus and grow in your knowledge of the Bible. And then every Saturday, oh, first before our evangelism, uh, this Saturday, our worship team is meeting, so you have to be in the 201 class or be an elder or deacon. They're meeting here at the church Saturday at 12 p.m. And then every Saturday, we have our evangelism team that goes out. All ages are welcome. Meet at the church at 5 p.m. If you've never shared your faith, told anybody about Jesus on the streets, you want to do that. We challenge you. We encourage you to do that. You will learn how to do it. You will grow in your knowledge of the Lord. You will grow in your faith, and you will see amazing things happening on the streets. People come to Jesus on the streets. People weep in the presence of God. They want to live for Jesus, and so there's powerful things that happen. If you've never done it, do it. If you are doing it, keep on doing it because Chicago for Jesus, right? Amen. Who's excited to give their tithes and offerings this morning? Oh, wait, before we do, i got to finish this. We want to mentor you. We want to mentor you. 101 book. Our leaders are ready to take you through this. Welcome to your new life. Then you graduate that. You go to the 201, uh, our class, where we raise you up to be a leader, disciples that make disciples, and we want to send you out to go share Jesus. And our goal at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in Chicago and 500 around the world. If you believe we could do that by God's grace, say amen. 
Now who's ready to give their tithes and offerings? Come on, let's get ready to learn about offerings. We are on section two of the book, lesson two today. There are a variety of ways to give offerings. You can follow up on the screen or you could go to givingbook.org. You could also turn to your Bibles, Deuteronomy 12.6. If you guys are really good at multitasking, you could do it all right here. Magic fingertips. So we'll be reading Deuteronomy 12.6. The offering is a gift to God after our tithes. Let's read in Deuteronomy. There, bring your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts, what you have vowed to give and your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. Let's get the three main points from that. Number one, various Jewish offerings. The Jewish people were commanded by God to give certain offerings for specific situations above their tithe. The burnt offering was for unintentional sins, Leviticus 6, 8 through 13. The grain offering was an act of worship and thanksgiving for God's provision, Leviticus 6, 14 through 23. The fellowship offering was a form of worship that also included a meal, Leviticus 7, 11 through 34. The sin offering was for the forgiveness and cleansing of sins, Leviticus 4, 1 through 5, 13. Lastly, the guilt offering was for the restitution of sins committed, Leviticus 5, 14 through 6, 7. How many of you guys know that God was serious about offerings? Come on. Number two, Christian offerings. That's for us today. The purpose of the New Testament offering is for worship thanksgiving and blessing in other words the christian gives offerings because they're blessed to be a blessing how many of you guys know that god has done some good things for you how many of you guys could testify to that so because we're under the new covenant we christians that are under the new covenant in the new testament we give our offerings everything above our tithe to be a blessing to worship god to show our thanksgiving to him Number three, various ways to give. Just like there was a variety of ways to give in the Old Testament, the Christian has a variety of ways to give offerings in the New Testament, mainly to their church or other ministries. Concerning their church, Christians can give to missions, building projects, and charity. Offerings to other ministries can go to anything from humanitarian aid to evangelistic crusades. Here's a summary. Prayerfully seek God and ask him to lead you into the various offerings you should give after your tithes. Missions, building fun, etc. We've talked about that. Get a hold of Jesus. Let him know that you want an amount, what you should give above your tithe, and he will tell you. Here's how to apply this. Number one, be a faithful tither. Number two, pray and seek God for what offerings to give. And number three, be faithful in giving your offerings to God. Let's confess this together on the count of three. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. Come on, let's get ready to give our tithes and offerings this morning. Again, here at MPI, a tithe is 10% of your total income, and anything above that is an offering, which we designate towards our building fund or our missions. And currently, we are in a building fund to raise a 15-passenger van. We thank you for everyone that has partnered along with us. We're doing awesome at that. We're more than halfway there, and we are believing that we could possibly get that by the beginning of the summer. 
How are you guys excited about getting a 15-passenger van to pick up people? We're, we're doing it now with the one that we have, but we can do so much more across the city to be a blessing to those around us. We also have two other options for giving, one online and the other in the back. If you have any questions about that, you can see myself or Griselda, Pastor Griselda. And we have T-shirts. How many of you guys are excited about these Metro Praise? Stand up if you have a T-shirt and just show it off. Come on. Chicago for Jesus, Metro Praise. We got some pink ones over here. So if you want... Uh, Chicago for Jesus, our Metro Praise mini tee for the ladies, or t-shirt, regular t-shirt for everybody. You can see us in the back. Pastor Griselda or I will be ready to assist you, and you can purchase it very simply. So find the one that you want. Get it today, $14. Uh, double X and up goes a little bit up, a couple bucks, but they're all yours. They are here, so you could have it today. Come on. Let's recite this scripture verse together. Luke 6:38. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For the, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Please stand up with me this morning as we prepare to give. And let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your abundant, abundant blessings. We thank you for the testimony that came from Ishmael this morning. God, you take care of the needs of your people. And when we're faithful... Oh, Jesus, you give abundantly. So I pray that you bless the gift and the giver this morning. Open doors that no man can shut and shut doors that no man can open. And I pray, oh, God, that you would meet our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. In your name we pray. And everybody said amen. Please come forward as you give this morning and thank you for your generosity. Right, if you love Jesus, can I get a hallelujah? Come on, somebody, look at your neighbor and say hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. It's so good to have you guys here. God is moving. We are so excited about what God is doing in this season. How many are happy that we had some good weather? Amen. Aren't you happy about that? How many are seeing the trees right now? They're budding, blossoming. Does anybody see that? And so that's what's going on in this church right now. We've gone to two services so that we can bud and blossom. If we were to take a picture of this room right now and compare it to what it looks like in 2016, a year from now, it's going to be totally different. Let's take this next year and grow together. I want you to see what God can do in your life as the church grows with you. Amen? As the church grows, why don't you believe God to grow in your personal life? Maybe set some goals. How many want to lose some weight and look like daddy up here? Amen? I don't know if anybody saw that. Put up my before and after picture. I got I to get it out there. I got to get it out there. This is like the most amount of likes I've ever had. It's like almost 300 or something. So all I had to do was become obese and to lose some weight. But you know what, set some goals for yourself because right now the church is setting goals that we are going to fill up both of our services, amen? We used to fill up one service and now we've gone to two and it's literally almost split 50-50 and now we want to believe God to multiply and look, I lost some weight because that's a goal right there, amen? But still, there was just more to love right here. I can't hate on that guy, amen? Come on, Ishmael, I can't hate on that guy. <laughs> I know I'm picking on Ishmael. Ishmael and I, we both love Jesus, amen? 
And that's really all that counts. But I'll just say set some goals as the church sets goals. You know, a lot of times I'll, I'll talk with people and, uh, you know, it seems like they make the church the only thing that, that does great things in their life. It's almost like they're playing make-believe when they come here. And it's like, no, if, if, if Metro Praise is believing to double over the next year, why don't you believe God for something in your job, in your work life, in your personal life? Set a goal and grow. Everybody say, let's grow. Amen. So let's go uh, to our sermon series today. As you're getting ready for that, we got one more left, and that is uh, next week, which is going to be the only way or just a way among many. And this is what I want you all to do next week. I think we've ran out of these flyers. So I want you to grab some of these flyers and come with a friend who doesn't know Jesus next week, okay? So let's just all believe God for that. As a matter of fact, Vinny, come up to the keys real quick. Let's just pray for three people right now that we can think of that need Jesus. Ishmael, come to the guitar since he's not here. Uh, let's believe God right now for three people. Just think of them. I mean, before we pray, like who are three people you can invite that really need the message of the gospel? Like they don't know Jesus. Like if they were to die, they're not going to heaven, okay? So like I'm thinking of my neighbors. I'm thinking of some friends around here in the community. I've been going to Wright College. I want to see them come, okay? Now let's close our eyes and let's think of those three people and let us name their names off right now to the Lord and say, God, I ask you to bring, come on, and name their names right now. I ask you to bring, maybe it's a relative, maybe it's your mother or father, young person, a brother, sister, family member. Come on, right now, Jesus, we ask you to bring them. Lord, every week is an important week because we always preach the gospel. But next week, Lord, we're going to be talking all about you and what makes you so different, what makes you so special. And I pray, Lord, that our friends and our family and those who don't know you will come and get to know you. And, Lord, maybe those have known you, they are, have people have known you and are not going to church anymore. Lord, they'll come back. They'll come back, God. Because, God, you have a plan for their life. And so, Lord, this whole week, we covenant with you right now. Come on, just say it in your heart. Lord, I covenant with you to pray for them this week and to be faithful to invite them. Lord, we're going to pray this week. We're going to invite them. God, we're going to lift them up and do our part, Lord. And we know it's their choice, but, Lord, we're going to make sure that we've reached out to them. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen if you believe that? Amen. Thank you. You know, I believe that that's what makes a difference. You know, somebody prayed for you. Somebody had to pray for you, right? I mean, you didn't just show up here by yourself, did you? And even if you just happened to walk into the church one day, we were already praying for people to do that. God, use these signs. God, use these flyers. You know that one of these flyers uh, fell down and uh, got right in front of a bar. Boom, it was just right there, right in front of a bar. And do you know that Jerry Krause came by and picked it up after work, after she got done bartending? She saw that flyer, and she came to church, gave her heart to Jesus, and now three years later, she's our campus pastor for the second service. Now Jerry Vivit, she's happily married, Amen. So that's what we're believing God for. We're believing God for miracles. And if you want to join us on one of our 12 evangelism times, Saturday's the main one. But if you go to chicagoforjesus.net, you'll see all the 12 different times we go out during the week. We go out before Friday life groups, Friday uh, youth group, before Wednesday Kings Kids, Monday in the afternoon we're going to Wright College. And I just want to give it up for Lawrence and the team out there. Let's give it up for L-Dog. 
right there, man. Lawrence has been representing, and Isaiah and these guys from Wright College. Sometimes we'll have a group, as many as six of us, preaching the gospel there to professors, to students. God is really showing up. And, and even if you can't make it to any of those times, just hand this out to somebody this week and believe God for their salvation. Now, today's message is miracle worker or just a good teacher. And I hope that you've come today ready for us to pray for you and that you're ready to believe God for a miracle because we're going to pray. We're going to pray today for miracles. I believe that God is a miracle-working God and that if we ask, we can receive. So think of it this way. 100% of the prayers you don't pray will never get answered. So if you don't pray, you'll never get an answer to prayer. But if you start praying, you're going to start getting some answers. And so today I want to pray for the sick. And we're going to be handing out these prayer cards in just a moment. But today I want to encourage you that Jesus is our miracle worker. Because sometimes people ask the question, was he a miracle worker or was he just a good teacher? You know, was he just like Martin Luther King Jr.? Was he just like Gandhi? Did he just come and do good things, you know, teach people stuff? Or did he really raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse lepers? Come on, somebody, cleanse lepers. That was like a a disease like AIDS. Nobody wanted to be around him, and Jesus healed them. Open, Open blind eyes, open deaf ears. Did Jesus do that, or was he just coming around giving fortune cookies? Just love your neighbor, you know, don't hurt people. Being a, is that all Jesus was, or was he a miracle worker? We're going to find that out today, but I already believe he's a miracle worker. How many of you all believe that? Amen. But remember, why are we learning a lot of this? Not only to invite our friends, so if you're a friend and you're here, we're glad you're here. But we're not only learning this for our sake, we're learning to know Jesus so we can show Jesus. So if you're out on the streets and somebody goes, oh, I don't believe all that miracle stuff. He was just a good teacher. You can go, no, man, here's some stuff I've learned, and here's things I want you to research, and hopefully you'll come out uh, stronger for and they'll know more about Jesus. Open your Bibles with me to Mark, um, rather Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verses 13 and onward. This has been our opening series passage every week. I'm sure you got it about memorized, but this week I added the full context a little bit before and a little bit after because I want you to see what's going on here. People did not really know who Jesus was. During Jesus' life, people didn't know who he was. Think about that. Have you ever been misunderstood? Have people ever not known about you or not known the right things about you? Do you have a job where you're misunderstood? People think this is the kind of person you are because you have that kind of job. Have you ever been misunderstood in your family? Maybe your mother, father, brother, sister didn't really know you and they thought they did. Have you ever been misunderstood in marriage? Some of us here have had tough relationships in marriage. Have you not been understood by your children? Children, have you not been understood by your parents? Guess what? Jesus understands what it's like to be misunderstood. So if you've ever been in a place going, man, I wish they would just get who I am. I don't know why they don't get it. Jesus was in that same place. People misunderstood him all the time. Are you with me in Matthew 16? Look at Matthew 16, verse 13, right here. When Jesus, somebody say, when Jesus. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples. So who is he talking to right now? His disciples. He said, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, if you know your Bible, these guys have already died a whole long time ago. So it's like people had some crazy answers. Jesus, they, they think you're a reincarnated prophet. So once again, if you've ever been in church and you didn't know the right answer, it's okay. People don't always know the right answer. But you need to come to church to learn the right answer, right? 
So those are some cray-cray answers. The Bible doesn't teach reincarnation. This is the only chance you get, amen? But you can get born again while you're in this life so you can live with Christ forever. But sorry, there is no second chances after death. So they give them kind of these crazy answers. Now look at verse 15. But what about you guys? Now I don't want to know what others say about me. I want to know what you say about me. What do you guys think, okay? Now look at what Simon Peter answered. He said, you are the what? The Messiah, the Son of the living God. Everybody say, he's the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That changes everything, doesn't it? This is not just a good guy teaching good things now. This is the Son of the living God. We talked about week one, that was he just a buried man or a Savior raised from the dead? If he's the Son of God, you can't keep his body down. He's a raised from the dead kind of Savior. Are you listening to me? If he's the Messiah, week two, he's not just a good man. He's God in the flesh, the God man. The Messiah has divine attributes, as we learn. The Messiah takes the sins of the whole world. How could a human being take the sins of the whole world? A human being's not all powerful. A human being wouldn't even know all the sins of the whole world. To take all the sins of the whole world, you'd have to be all powerful, all knowing, and everywhere to know every sin. Hello, somebody. This statement changes everything. Now, the great thing about this is, is that Peter gives the right answer. So though there's wrong answers, and there's wrong answers about Jesus, some people want to say that Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is not your homeboy. Jesus is your Lord and Savior, okay? So you may get these ideas about Jesus, but you can be wrong about your ideas. But the good thing is there's a right idea. Okay, so who do you believe Jesus to be? Are you like Peter saying, man, you're the son of God, you're the Messiah? Or are you like some people out there going, oh, Jesus is just like Buddha and just like Krishna. He's just one of many. You get what I'm saying? So is your answer lined up with who he is or are you playing make-believe? Because you may say you believe in Jesus, but I might have to ask you which one. You talking about Jesus Gonzalez down there that sells in lotes? You talking about Jesus? You believe in Jesus? I ain't talking about that dude, Okay. And then sometimes people go, oh, my God would never send anybody to hell. That's right. Your God doesn't exist because you're playing make-believe. Oh, Jesus would never say that. Well, you all haven't read the Bible then. You haven't read what Jesus really said then. That's kind of just what he said. You get, you get what I'm saying? So what Jesus are you believing in? I'm believing in the Jesus Peter believed in, the Jesus who he really was, the Messiah, Son of the living God. Now watch this, which is really cool here going on from what we've read in weeks prior. It says, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. Now, everybody track this. This is important because when we're learning about who is Jesus, you might say, well, I'm not Peter. I don't get to hang out with Jesus. I don't get to see what Peter saw. So it's hard for me to believe. But is that what Jesus said was the evidence that made Peter believe? Was Peter just watching Jesus do miracles and all this and goes, oh, you're the son of God? No, the Bible says that he knew he was the son of God because the father spoke it to his heart. Because there may be false prophets. There may be magicians pretending to do miracles. Are you with me? And so Peter didn't get this understanding of Jesus just by seeing Jesus. So you shouldn't feel bad and be like, well, it's hard for me to believe in him because I can't see him. No, because anybody who believes in Jesus, whether they saw him face to face or 2,000 years later, the only way they're going to know for sure that he's the Messiah, the Son of God, is by the Father speaking to their heart. Think about that. You experience the identity of Jesus Christ. Do we do that with anybody else? 
Do we do that with Abraham Lincoln? You will not really know who Abraham Lincoln is unless the spirit of Abraham Lincoln comes and reveals that to you. No. Now, if you're talking to the ghost and the spirit of Abraham Lincoln, we're going to pray for you at a special time in our service. Okay? We got a special prayer time just for you. We call that an exorcism. Amen? We are going to deliver you from the spirit of Abraham Lincoln. So this right here is telling us that not only is he the son of God just coming and leaving and then no one else can see he's the son of God, but no, he's the son of God verified by the Father through the Holy Spirit, not just for that generation, but for all generations. For all generations who hear about Jesus, the same Father who spoke to Peter through the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Are you listening? Are you hearing the Father speak? Because that's what he's come to do. He's come to reveal his son. The Father is all about the son. Yesterday was my little boy's third birthday party as he was receiving remote control cars and Ninja Turtles. I was like, wow, look at these toys. And I'm like playing with them. And then all of a sudden I get the remote control car. And like 10 minutes later he's like, Dad, can I play with it? And I'm like, no, just a minute. I'm doing a spin out right here. Watch me spin out. And I'm like drifting with the thing in my house. I'm so serious. Sometimes we can forget it's all about our children, parents, can't we? We can, we can do that sometimes. But the father never forgets it's all about the son. The father gave him a name that's above every name. And the father said, it's always about Jesus, my son. And if you want to get to me, you've got to go through Jesus. So Peter... You've got this revelation, and it's not just because of flesh and blood. It's not just because of what you've seen and heard. It's because my Father in heaven revealed it to you. Now look at verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Do you know that hell is trying to come against the church of Jesus Christ? Now I'm not talking about that bitter person on Facebook talking about us. I'm talking about the devil himself. Hello, somebody. I'm not talking about Sister Sassy Pants that's always got something to say about what they don't like in the church. I'm talking about the devil hates the church. The devil hates what we're doing right now. The devil hates it. In our country specifically, this used to be the foundation of where we learned our morals. How you studied your Bibles, how you learned to study textbooks. Harvard was a Bible college. Are you listening? Science came from the knowledge of God being an organized creator. But now the world wants to point a finger at you and say you're judgmental. They want to call us harsh names like bigots and say because you don't believe in same-sex unions and marriages and because you don't do this and don't do that, you're a bigot. The very thing that our grandparents would have blushed at, they now want to call entertainment. And when we as the church remain standing on our principles, not moved by culture, they call us names. Think about that. But it's not them. It's not them. See, what people have done in this culture have just turned their radio signal away from the Father to the enemy. And they don't know the origin of their thoughts. They don't know where those thoughts are coming from. They think it's in the name of fairness, equality, love, all of these other things. But they're not understanding that there's a devil that's come to steal, kill, and destroy my friends, all religions aren't the same. Sometimes people want to say, oh, you know what, Islam, Christianity, it's all the same. Now, I don't believe we should kill because of religion. When America was established, you could be a Muslim in our country. You could be a Buddhist in our country. But we were a country 
that prayed to God in Jesus' name. To this day, we have chaplains open up Congress, okay? Are you listening? You don't have to like it, but you can go somewhere else as well. But if you came to America, we were a Christian group of people forming a secularized government, free for all, but we were a Christian group. Are you listening? We were ruled by Christian morals. That's why still to this day we have a, a holiday called Thanksgiving. What were we supposed to give thanks to? The tree, nature, thank the turkey before you kill it? No, Thanksgiving was established by our government to thank God for his blessings. We have a national holiday not called Ramadan. We have a national holiday called Christmas because we were Christians. Are you listening? Doesn't mean that we, we would oppress Muslims when they came to the land. It's just we're a Christian people. You're welcome here. Hindus, Buddhists, Sikhs, and you're welcome here. But we are a Christian people. Now, in the name of tolerance, Christians are forced into the closet and are told in 1960 that they couldn't pray in school anymore. Do you know that textbooks in 1960 were Bibles? How do you teach a child to read when you only got two or three books in your home and one of them is the Bible? That's how you taught them. A is for Adam. Hey, are you listening? But now we got confused. Now, why is this important when we get here? Because the gates of hell are against the church. We are representing that heritage. We are representing a belief system of ancient times. We are representing the beliefs of Jesus and his followers. And it doesn't mean we're against people. It just means we're for people serving God. If I knew there was a hell and didn't tell you, is that a good thing? No, but if I believe there's a hell, the worst thing I could do is not tell you. The best thing I can do is tell you. Now, once again, if Jesus is the only Son of God, the only Messiah, should I have a church that celebrates all religions or should I have a church that celebrates and lifts up Jesus and the cross of Jesus Christ? Amen? So remember, this is not called bigotry. This is not called racism. This is not called unfairness. This is called building the church of Jesus Christ upon the foundation of who he is and the gates of hell not prevailing. So today, if our culture changes, I'll still be here. Will you still be here? Amen. Are you still going to come and tell people about Jesus and what sin is and how it is to live holy and righteous? Even if the world changes definitions, are you going to keep his definition? Amen. I love what I believe uh, Benjamin Franklin said. He said, with fashion, we go with the flow, but with principles, we stand upon a rock. You notice the difference? With fashion, I don't have to come in here wearing a suit. I don't have to come in here wearing a bow tie, whatever, but I still stand upon the principles of my forefathers. Sin is sin, heaven is, is heaven, and hell is hell. Right? Are you guys with me? Now, this is very important when you come to Jesus because when you look at the Bible, Jesus is a miracle worker. He is different than all the other people you study in history. There are, of course, stories of mythological people doing miracles, but Jesus is not a mythological person. Now, if you don't know the difference between a myth, just watch Transformers and then watch The Passion of the Christ. They're totally two different kinds of genres. That is the same way when you look at books of antiquity. When you read the stories of Hercules, when you read these myths as I had to do in school, did they still do that in school? You have to read myths and different things. It's totally different. When Jesus is walking the earth, 
He names the place where he's at, Caesarea Philippi. The people are given names. Then history books record those same places. This is not at Mount Olympus. This is not wherever Avatar was. Where was Avatar with the Navajo people? Navu. What was it called? The, 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 the planet. Oh, gosh, I know somebody knows. Madagascar, you are so funny. I shouldn't even repeated that. Oh, what is the name of that place? Look it up for me, Jared, the name of that planet. Oh, I know. It's like right on the tip of my tongue. I watch too many movies. I've already found that out in church. I've already found that out here. But this is not a mythological place. This is a historical guy walking around in historical places with people of history. This is not a myth. Yet when you look at the Bible, there are over, and here's the notes. You can check them out online, mpichurch.org, 34 miracles of Jesus. So right here, reading the Bible, we got to stop, put on the brakes, and ask ourselves a question. Is this a historical story with legend added on? Like Johnny Appleseed always had an apple seed somewhere in his hat, and he would plant it everywhere he went. See, I was from Indiana. There's this big Johnny Appleseed statue, Johnny Appleseed Park. So it's like this mythological figure. I mean, it's this real person with legend put onto it, so it becomes somewhat myth, somewhat truth. You guys tracking with me? Or uh, like Paul Bunyan, you know, the tallest man ever cutting down trees. You know, he's probably a real guy, but did he do all that he did? What was the name of that place in uh, Avid, uh, Pandora? There we go. I, you know how you remember that? Because Pandora music. Anybody have Pandora? Okay. Anyways, I know there's a lot of better ones out there now. So we have to stop and ask ourselves this question. We can't put this all in myth right now. We, ju- we just can't do it. It's not written as a long time far away in a galaxy long ago like Star Wars. It's written totally different. It's called in genre of antiquity historical narrative. So we can't call it myth. But now we have one of two options. Is it a historical story where they added legend on top of this figure Jesus? So there's a real Jesus, but they added legends to him, or did it actually happen? You can't pause and then say it doesn't matter, and just move on and go, no, that's kind of cool, but it doesn't matter. No, it matters. you got to stop and think about it. And how you answer this question is going to determine who Jesus is to you. I believe, and the Bible teaches, Jesus changed water into wine. How many wish they were at that party? Mm, Jesus, what is this, 1970? Or what would it be like? I'm sorry, it would be like a 70 B.C. Chardonnay, Jesus. Thank you very much. Appreciate that, Jesus. You have to talk like this when you're tasting fine wine. So Jesus changed the water into wine. You can just kind of see Jesus with a, with a, uh, a, a barrel on his shoulder kind of walking into the party, you know. I don't know. That's just me. I'm sorry. Anyways, moving on. Some people think it with grape juice. Okay, you believe that if you want. Make believe. Anyways, uh, Jesus changed water into wine, number one. Jesus cured the nobleman's son. The great hall of fishes, that's pretty awesome. Jesus cast out an unclean spirit. Jesus cured Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. How many still would like their mother-in-law to be healed? Amen. Amen. I got a good mother-in-law. I got my sister here today. Amen. Nobody's laughing. It's okay. Mother-in-law jokes aren't cool anymore anyways. Jesus cured Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. Jesus healed a leper. Jesus healed the centurion's servant. Jesus raised the widow's son from the dead. Now let's just think here. I mean, we're going through all of these, by the way. Just by the way, we're going to go through all of them. How many know if Jesus did one, that would still be awesome? Like, you know you can't heal a cold, right? You, You know that, right? I can't even heal a cold. Jesus is like healing everybody and everything. If he just did one, 
that would prove that he's pretty awesome, right? But it goes on and on and on. Jesus heals the centurion's son, raises the widow from the widow's son from the dead. Jesus stilled the storm. I mean, he's commanding waves to still. He uh, sets free two demoniacs, cures the paralytic. He raised the ruler's daughter from the dead, cured a woman of an issue of blood. How many like that story in the Bible? Remember that? Good story in the Bible. She touches Jesus. Amen. Jesus loosed the tongue of a man who could not speak, healed an invalid at the pool called Bethesda, restored a withered hand. Jesus cured a demon-possessed man, fed 5,000 people, healed a woman of Cana, cured a death and a mute, fed at least another 4,000 people. How many like be hanging around Jesus, making wine, and hooking us up with some food to eat? Ain't nothing wrong with that. Jesus opened the eyes of a blind man. Jesus cured a boy plagued by a demon. Some parents think their children are plagued by demons. That's another story, but Jesus got that boy free. Jesus, you guys are a tough crowd right now. Y'all tough crowd. Y'all making it hard up here for a pastor. Somebody's laughing. That's okay. It's one of you. It's for you. Okay. So the boy got delivered from a demon. Jesus opened the eyes of a man born blind. Jesus cured a woman who had been afflicted for 18 years. How many know if you're sick for 18 years, you got a problem? Right, and Jesus set her free. That's so awesome. Jesus cured a man of dropsy. I will give a free T-shirt to anybody who can tell me what dropsy is. I had to look it up. Anybody know? You're good. You're good. See, this is what happens when we get, you know, the youth talking here. Madagascar, and it's a disease. Love you guys. Love you. We got to do some deliverance. No, you've already looked it up. You cheated. Or I can see you looking at your phone. So dropsy is a, is a formation of liquid under your skin, and like when you touch your skin, it leaves an indentation. So it's like you kind of get like marshmallowy, and they, you can push your skin in, so it's not a cool thing. Edema. Edema is the technical term for today's uh, medical field. Okay, so he cured a man of edema, cleansed ten lepers, raised Lazarus from the dead, opened the eyes of two blind men, caused a fig tree to wither. That's his only uh, miracle of destruction. That was just to show how powerful he was. Jesus restored the ear of the high priest servant, who Peter cut it off with a sword. You guys remember that? And Jesus is like, sorry about that. Peter's a little crazy here. He's really trying to make sure the church makes it past the gates of hell. So, you know, he had the sword thing. But then Jesus rose from the dead, the greatest miracle of all time, and the second great haul of fishes right before he goes back to heaven. He's like, let's get something to eat. And they're like, I can't catch anything. And he goes, I'll help you. 34 miracles of Jesus. So here's the question once again. We know Jesus is a real person. We know that. Even atheists admit that. Bart Ehrman, one of the greatest skeptics of the Bible who mocks us for believing in the Bible, says to go and say Jesus is a myth makes you sound stupid. So if you're listening and you're an atheist and you want to take the route of Jesus is a myth, Bart Ehrman calls you stupid. So don't do that. Jesus actually lived. But we have one of two options. People like Bart Ehrman will say Jesus lived, but they tacked all this on as legend. Or did it actually happen? See, that's something you got to think about, isn't it? I'm not going to give you the answer. Of course, you know my answer, but I'm going to give you a little bit more research. And then you, hopefully you'll come up with the right answer because the more you know, the more you can show, right? We just don't be like, I believe it because I believe it. Well, why do you believe it? Because my pastor believed it and he told me to believe it. So you believe it because you believe it because your pastor believes it? That's why you believe it? Yeah, and then I got a book that believes it. Okay, we should understand a little bit more than that, Okay. Now, it's cool if you're starting off just going, hey, I believe it because it's true, and I believe it, and you know, but I want to show you how to know. So the more you know, the more you can show, all right? And the more I show you, the more you know, amen? Is that, is that confusing? Or are you guys tracking? Okay, here we go. Now, watch this part right here. This is our sermon text. Everybody say, that was just the introduction. 
Okay, so watch this. This is our sermon text. In the Bible, there's somebody that needs this question answered, and I think it's going to surprise you who it was. Matthew 11, if you have your Bibles, turn there or just look up at the screen. After Jesus had uh, finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went there and began to teach. He went from there and began to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, which John is this? John the Baptist. Everybody say John the Baptist. Thank you. When John the Baptist heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Now, I want everybody to give me your attention right here because I was walking yesterday and this rocked me and I want to share this with you. You may be here today wondering who is Jesus. And I want to talk to you honestly, everybody here. Think about this. John the Baptist was this guy that was the cousin of Jesus. And his birth was a miraculous birth, not a virgin birth, but a miraculous birth because his mom and dad were so old they couldn't have children. And an angel came to them as well and said, you're going to have a child. His name's going to be John. He's going to be a Nazarite. He's not going to cut his hair. He's not going to eat anything made from grapes or drink grape juice. And he is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. Okay? Now imagine him growing up and hearing that from his parents. That's a lot of pressure, isn't it? We weren't even supposed to have you. But God sent an angel, and me and your dad got it on, and we had you at like 70 years old. And here's the deal. God's got a plan for you. No pressure, but you're bringing forth the Messiah. You're a, world, you're a voice in the wilderness preparing his way. Now, you better be good. This is how John the Baptist was brought up. Are you guys tracking with me? John the Baptist gets to be right around 30 years old. He is living the wildlife, and I mean really the wildlife. He is wearing clothes made out of camel skin. He is eating wild locusts, wild locusts. You ever seen a locust? That's what he's eating. And honey. And he is out in the wilderness preaching, make straight your ways because the Messiah is coming. He is telling people, I am the one preparing the way for him, and I'm not even able to untie his chanclas, untie his sandals. When he comes, I won't even be worthy to do that. Hello? The Bible then says Jesus comes to him. He is rocked when he sees Jesus. He points to him and he says, this is the one I told you about. This is the Lamb of God, the one who came to take away the sins of the world. He says, I shouldn't even be baptizing you. But Jesus said, baptize me. He baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes out the water. And here's a picture of the Trinity. Son of God is in the water. John hears the Father speaks, doesn't see anything, but hears the Father speaks and sees the Holy Spirit come down like a dove. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is the encounter John has with Jesus. However, as they began to live out their separate lives, John begins to preach and gets arrested for his preaching against sin. He is now arrested. He's alone in a jail cell, and the kind of jail they had back then is not like what we have now. 
dirty, filthy. He's living in his own feces probably, smelling. And he now knows that he's probably going to die. And so he had a belief system most common in that time, which was when the Messiah comes, he's going to conquer the known world. And you can get this picture of what John must be going through. He's probably thinking to himself, all right, Jesus, this would be a good time for you to start your kingdom. Jesus, this would be a good time for you to start killing people and set me free from this Roman government. And yet nothing is happening. And as the days are getting closer, I'm sure he settled it in his heart. I'm dying here. This is not ending the way I thought it was ending. My parents didn't tell me the rest of the story. They just told me to prepare a way for him. They never told me the second part. I'm dying here. And he calls two of his disciples over. These disciples had trusted John. They believed in what John was saying. When everybody else thought John was crazy, they're going out to John in the wilderness, and they're saying, we believe you, John. We believe what you're saying. You may look crazy to everybody else, but we believe you're the one that's bringing them forth. So he calls two of them over. And you can hear the conversation because the Bible is just a summarization of the narrative. You can hear the conversation. It probably went something like this. Guys, this is it for me. I'm going to die here. And we know eventually he gets beheaded. He probably says, guys, I'm going to die here. But I need to know one thing. Did I mess up and miss Jesus? Now think about this. This is the man who said my whole entire life was to prepare a way for him. This is the one who when he saw him, he proclaimed him the Lamb of God. This is the John that when he baptized him, he heard the Father, saw the Son, and the Holy Spirit coming down. He says to his disciples, hey guys, I need you to go ask him something. Are you the one or should we expect someone else? Because I'm all alone here. I'm dying here. Tell me. And you can imagine his disciples running up to Jesus going, Jesus, John, the one you love, John, the one that you, you, you support, John, the one that baptized you, he's got a question for you. Are you really the Messiah? Are you really God among us? Are you really that person? And look at what Jesus says. Go back and tell him. Tell him what you see. Go back and tell them. And you can imagine when the disciples go back to John and report what they see Jesus doing. They go back to John and go, John, listen. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's opening blinded eyes. The lepers are getting cleansed. The deaf are hearing. And the good news is being proclaimed to the poor. And listen what he told you, John. John, he told you. Don't stumble on account of me. Don't get offended because of me. Blessed are you, John, if you don't stumble now. And I just want to say something to you today. You may feel like you are in that cell today. And you may not feel like you are close to Jesus. And you may feel like you don't see Jesus moving around. But I want to tell you there are disciples here who want nothing but good for you, who haven't come to take from you like others have, who are just here to report to you what they're seeing Jesus doing in the world. 
And they're here to tell you, you may not be feeling him. You may not be seeing him. You may be doubting him, but he's still healing. He's still setting free. He's still changing lives. Jesus is still a miracle worker. Don't get offended and give up now. Don't let your culture make you doubt who he is. Place your hopes and your trust in Jesus. And so I have a couple disciples here today that want to share with you their testimonies. Ishmael Lopez, would you come forward, please? Give it up for Ish as he comes. As you hear these testimonies, think, if God did it for them, can God do it for me? So as a little boy about the age of seven, eight, I started experiencing these headaches that would cause like nausea and just vomiting and all kinds of stuff. And uh, we grew up in a one-bedroom apartment, you know, poor in Chicago. Um, my mom had no clue what to do, really. You know, she would just give me medicine and put ice on my head and, you know, pray, pray for me and pray for the best. I went to the doctor. I don't know why I'm getting emotional. <laughs> wow. I went to the doctor when I, when I started getting, like, health insurance as, a, you know, older. I was uh, late teens, probably 18 years old. I had my first job. Finally, I health, had health insurance. Uh, and I went to the doctor. And, you know, actually before that, <coughs> I, had a very, I had a migraine for about a week. So I would get these headaches and had a migraine for like a week, nauseous, had to be stuck in a, in a cold, damp room, no light, you know, I isolated, could, couldn't eat, couldn't hold anything down. Um, I started seeing a doctor and she's like, she's like, well, you know, we, we don't know what's causing these headaches. You know, it's a, it's a phenomenon. These migraines, you know, we really can't say what it is, whether it's your, you know, teeth or your diet or, or just people just, you know, get these things and so on. So <laughs> here's some medicine that you can take when you feel the aura of a headache coming along. That's what she said. And, and that was the hope she gave me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, I started taking this medication. Well, you know, after years, I'm talking years of praying, uh, since I was a little boy, my mom, she grew up Pentecostal. I mean, I grew up Pentecostal. My mom was saved when I was five, six years old. She would pray and have people pray for me, have, you know, all the time. Um, but still, I was suffering from these headaches. Um, when I was about uh, 20, I don't know if you guys remember, like even 10 years ago, I would, I would suffer these things. Like Rachel and uh, Ricky, who knew me 10 years ago, I would still get these headaches. I couldn't come to church. I couldn't do these things, you know. Um, <laughs> finally, you know, I got fed up and I just got praying and I don't even remember the last <laughs> headache I had. Uh, this has been over 10 years since I've had a migraine and I, I can't think back to specifically when it was, you know, what, when it was, but I, all I know is that God healed me, that I've been healed from migraines and I haven't had a migraine over 10 years, <laughs> praise the Lord. So I just give God glory, you know, so, uh, th thank you for that. And, uh, I, I, Pastor Joe wanted me to, to share another experience that, that I had with, uh, with healing was uh, about three weeks ago, Marky had this uh, high fever and just, wouldn't, you just couldn't, couldn't cut it, you know, with medication or whatever. We just couldn't cut it. And Lauren came over. She just pranced in the house, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> we lived two houses down. And, and I'm like, Lauren, you need to lay hands on Marky and, and pray for him. Well, she did, and, you know, it was just a – nonchalant prayer was just lord heal him you love him heal him you know there wasn't like you know anything else it was just be healed in jesus name about an hour later we, we checked his temperature and, and, the t and, the, and the fever finally came down so we were like lord, <laughs> lord i think i texted you I'm like lord you, you healed him you know 
So God still heals, and if you've been suffering for a, whether you've been suffering for a long time, for years like I have, or if you've been suffering, or, you know, just a fever or whatever, he'll heal you because he loves you. Amen? Oh, God is good. Let's give it up for Jessica Roman as she comes, because I want her to tell a testimony, because we believe in women disciples as well. Amen? Once again, thinking to yourself, if God did it for them, God can do it for me. Hi, I'm Jessica. Um, I get really emotional when I talk about this because I just want to share how good God is. Before, um, um, back in the day, <laughs> um, I thought that I could never have children. Like, I was having health issues even, even before I got married. And, um, um, God just, um, one day we just uh, conceived and um, I was I was able to conceive, but I wasn't able to keep my children. I had one that I had premature, he died, two miscarriages, and then there was a time where me and my husband was just, were just like, like, that's it, like, God doesn't want us to have children, you know, and um, I, he, he tells me till this day that it's like, he kind of gave up. He felt numb to the feeling where it was like, I don't even care anymore if I have children. But me, I still had hope that God wanted me to have children. So I, you know, a year later, God, uh, put, um, I got pregnant, and then um, at that time, there was other women that wanted to get pregnant at this a service that we had at, at the church, and a special speaker was, was here at that time, so we were all struggling kind of with the same thing, and um, we all got laid hands on, and he healed our bodies, and, like, we all got pregnant, like, a week later. <laughs> and then I was, and then I was able to have Phoebe She's, she's two right now. And and it's like, you know, I was telling Joe that it's like he, he didn't just bless me with a child. My heart's desire was to have a baby girl. And I had my baby girl. And now we're on, you know, I'm doing June with a baby boy. That's my, my husband's desire to have a baby boy. <laughs> so. Thank you so much. Thank you. I want you to think about this. There was a man named Dr. Keener who did a survey of the world's Pentecostals and Charismatics. If you don't know what you're a part of right now, you're in a Pentecostal Charismatic church. That means we believe in God doing miracles. There's estimated to be around 614 million people in the world who believe the way we do. As a matter of fact, we count for 80% of the growth of the church around the world. We are the largest Protestant denomination in the world. There is Catholic, Orthodox, and then there are Pentecostals. Baptists, Methodists, and Lutherans combined cannot come close to the numbers of those we have around the world. A church that believes in the gifts of the Spirit, the power of prayer, speaking in other tongues, 615 million around the world, and they believe by 200, uh, 2025 there will be almost a billion, 800 million. 
Dr. Craig Keener went to the 10 major uh, nations that have the people who believe like this and surveyed them. He went to America, India, Brazil, South Korea, various nations in Latin America, South America, I mean Latin America, Asia, and, um, and Europe. Uh, no, uh, yeah, North America, South America, Asia, and Africa. There we go. And the 10 countries that he studied, among these Pentecostal people, he found that there were 200 million reports of miracles. 200 million reports of miracles. This is not just a guy who woke up yesterday and said, I'm going to try to figure this out. This is a Ph.D. He spends his life researching. That is one out of three of those 600 million Pentecostal believers like you and I have said, I have experienced the miracle-working power of God. Remember John the Baptist and his doubts and concerns? We're coming to you today where you're at. Even if you have not seen one or experienced one, this number is coming to you today. 200 million of us are saying we've seen the miracle-working power of God. Now the question is, are you going to believe? Here's what I want you to think about. I have added more of the notes. I have more on the notes, and I don't have time to get into it now because I want us to pray. How many think we should pray and actually do it? I don't just want to talk about him. I want to talk to him. Amen? I just don't want to talk about healing. Let's get the healing in Jesus' name. And remember, no matter who prays for you, Jesus is always the healer. Now, like I said, I have more evidence of this on, my, uh, uh, on the notes here. But just to summarize the things that I discuss in these notes is that when you look at the world, you can look at it from one of two possibilities. Either the world is a supernaturally uh, enabled place or it's only a natural place. If the world is only a natural place, then only what is it within nature can affect nature. So that means only things that have matter, space, and time can affect things in matter, space, and time. Those who believe like that are called naturalists. They don't believe that anything affects nature except nature. Supernaturalists believe that there is something super outside of nature, matter, space, and time that can influence nature. Now, sometimes people in college try to make real smart arguments to why there can't be a God and why there can't be uh, supernatural causes in the world or a thing like miracles, but there's one problem that they have. They already exist. And if nature can only affect nature, how does nature create itself out of nothing when there is no nature? Do you ever think about that? It's not a trick statement. I want you to hear it again. If nature only affects nature, how does nature create itself out of nothing? Big bang. Okay, what banged it? I believe in, I believe in a big bang. Okay, so do I. I just know who banged it. Well, the big bang, what banged? Who banged it? When did it bang? You, you understand. But then they use their rational mind to say, oh, you Christians who believe in supernatural things. You're irrational. But they have a problem. They can't explain rationality. How do you explain rationality without your rational mind? You have a rational mind. You take it for granted. Now you think with it. But where does a rational mind come from? Does a rock have a rational mind? Why doesn't a rock have a rational mind? Can you explain that? 
You can't explain where you came from or why you even have a rational mind. And so I like to give people the evidence for God like this. If I was standing out from my bedroom window, as I was Saturday, so Saturday I was in my bedroom looking out my window to my child playing with his new toys. The, win the window was up, the, nice, uh, the weather was nice, and I had the first part up, and I could hear him playing out there, and it was really cute. And I'm peering through the window. As I'm looking through the window, I don't notice the window. I only pay attention to what I'm looking at. Are you trying? with me. But if I stop and take a notice at what I'm looking at, I can see there's a window in front of me in which I am gazing through to see everything else. People say, I don't see God. I don't see God because they don't understand the very sense of their existence and the very sense of their natural mind or rational mind is from God. It is the window by which they see. So don't get lost in that. The very fact you can see a world is because God made you in an image to see. The very fact that you are here in this world is because God made you. And so if you would just step back from everything you're analyzing and start analyzing why you're analyzing, if you would take a step back instead of looking at the world and saying, I don't see God here and here and here, and step back to say, why do I even see a world? Why do I see beauty? Why do I see and experience love? You will see that God is the very reason why you do. Some of you will get that a little bit later on tape. Some of you got it right now. Amen. I worked hard on that. So now that you understand the premise of this argument, you can hear the whole entire thing in summary. The rest of it is noted. I have it in the notes. But here's now the summary. Since supernaturalism is true and God exists, then Jesus is God's son. Because no one else has the evidence of Jesus raising from the dead, etc. So if there is a God, Jesus has to be in connection with him. Number two, Jesus' life has been supported by more historical miracles than with anyone else. No one's claiming miracles from Muhammad. No one's even claiming miracles of Buddha. We have a life of miracles with Jesus, and today, 200 million. Do you know America's only about 300 million? 200 million people claim to have miracles in Jesus' name. Isn't that powerful? So if not only his life was miraculous, and today his name produces miracles, should we not stop and take him serious and believe that he is the miracle worker? Now it's up to you at this point what you want to do. I want to ask that our ushers would quickly hand out these cards to everyone and that, Vinny, you would come to the keys, please. We want to do something very unique. Some of you who have been in the church for a while, you may never have seen it like this, but we want to do a healing service a little bit different. This is what we want to do. We want you to receive this card. And if you want a miracle or believe God for prayer, I want you to write your name on that card, and I want you to write the healing that you desire. Now, if you don't desire any healing today, you don't have to receive prayer. But we're not going to dismiss the service until we pray for everybody who fills out a card. So would you please not be in a hurry today? The scripture on your card says, this is James, the half-brother of Jesus, and it says, is any among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of who? In the name of the Lord, who is Jesus. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord, not I, not any elder, the Lord will raise them up, and if they have sinned, they will be forgiven.
Isn't this awesome? Here you have a tradition of the church. After Jesus left, James, the half-brother of Jesus, so he kind of knew Jesus, kept this tradition going that if we need prayer, we take out oil representing the Holy Spirit. Could I get the oil up here, please? And we put it on your head to represent a supernatural presence in your life. And then we pray in Jesus' name, thank you, for you to be healed. And we can come expecting it to be done. How do you receive a miracle from God? You believe that He exists and He rewards those who seek Him. Number two, you come to Him with your specific need. Now that's what we're doing right now. We're writing down that need. And if you have multiple needs, that's okay. But listen, we're not doctors. We don't need to know about everything. If you read the Bible, Jesus didn't talk medical terms. He didn't go, oh, is that hypocratic, a hypocratic cancer? Is that the right word? Uh, pancreatic, there we go. Oh, is that pancreatic cancer? No, he was just like, I hurt here, Jesus. Jesus like, be healed. Jesus, I got boo-boo here. Be healed. Jesus, my son runs into a fire. Devil, get out of him. Hello. I can't see. So make it real simple. My stomach hurts. I have cancer. I can't see. We don't need to pray like we're doctors. Now, Lord, you know that in the intestinal tube, there is microbacteria that needs to function properly with the red blood cells. Jesus, heal the tummy, Lord. Heal their tummy. That's, that's it. Am I talking to people who believe in a Jesus who understands it all? Okay, I, I'm not a medical doctor. There's doctors that use God's wisdom. Give us glasses. Give us crutches. Do these things. But we're believing God to do what only God can do. I can't even heal a cold. You could explain to me for five hours what a cold is. It would not do one thing for me in praying for you. Are you listening? Now, Jesus, I have a sinus infection that I've had for 10 years, and sometimes I'm allergic to penis. Here, no, no, no. Jesus, heal me right here. It hurts. See, men use wisdom. God uses supernatural power. Jesus is going to bypass medication and things. Now, here's the thing when we pray. If we could just turn down Vinny a little bit. We're not saying don't use medication. We're not saying don't go to the, to the doctor. We're just saying, do you believe that God can bypass that and do a miracle? What is the definition of a miracle? I forgot to go over that with you. A definition of a miracle is a supernatural event caused by the power of God that interferes or changes the laws of nature. We're not saying, here's some of the arguments I was sharing before. We're not saying that medicine is bad. We're not saying that you can't still go to a doctor. We're just saying, do you believe that God can do it when a doctor can't? And there are countless things we still don't have cures for. When I would bring in homeless people off the street, had a man with AIDS in my house. Don't have a cure for AIDS. Prayed for him, though. Right? You know, there are some people who have diabetes. There's no cure for it. Some of it is related to their diet. Other people, it's not related to their diet. Cancer, we don't have a cure for cancer. Right? Tumors, these things, sometimes they can operate. Other times it doesn't change anything. It continues to spread. We're asking God to do only what he can do. So write down your need. Number three, 
we're going to pray in the name of Jesus. So if your needs are written down, would you hand them to the side back to these ushers and they're going to bring them forward. Because as we pray, we're going to pray up here in front for all to see like Jesus did. Thank you, sir. Would you do me a favor and lift up this table and put it right here for me, young man. Thank you. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pray here in front. And we're going to begin to believe God for miracles. So, Pastor Berto, I want you to look over this list and see if there's any that have some in common. Just as I finish out this sermon right here. See if there's those who are asking for certain kinds of things that we can pray at the same time, whether it's for those that have sinus infections or those that may have cancer or something like that. And then we're going to start praying. But I want you to see this scripture. And lastly, we're going to thank God as he heals us. Amen? So we're going to believe in God that he exists. We're going to name our need and pray in Jesus' name. And we're going to believe for God to do the thing. What do you need? It has to be a sickness, yes. We're praying for healing. Now I want you to see this. Altar workers will be up at the end of service for anything you need. Like if your son's demon possessed, like the guy before we learned about, you can bring him up later, okay? But this right now is for physical healing. Does everybody go get, get that? Okay. Look what Jesus said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You don't have to wonder today if Jesus wants to heal you. We can believe that he wants to heal you. Now, if you don't want to come forward, that's up to you. So if I call your name, you can sit awkwardly in your chair. But I hope that you would come forward. There's always got to be a first. I'm going to ask that Catherine and Curtis come. Curtis is going to stand in the need for, his, uh, for the need of his nephew. And Catherine's going to believe God to heal her of her ear. So come on up here. Elders, would you come? We're going to anoint you with oil and pray. Would you stand in front of me? Yes, please, go get her. If you have children, please go get them. I'm going to stand in the gap for your relative right now. But from this point on, if they're not here, I'm not going to pray at this point, okay? We have prayer workers after service that will pray if people are not here. We do that, all right? We do that. I just want to pray for people who are here, okay? But I'm going to do this because I'm going to honor your faith, amen? Someone anoint him with oil that has oil on their hands. In Jesus' name, we lift up to you right now this nephew, and we pray for the autism to be healed right now. In Jesus' name, keep praying, keep praying. Brian or Byron, would you come forward? We're going to pray. Okay, at this point, we're going to, if they're not here, we're not going to pray for them, okay? But you come up later, okay? So I just want people who are here that have prayer requests, okay? I need them to be here. Norlin, would you come forward? We're going to pray for your muscle pain and neck and your shoulders. In our second service, we have Jerry, a massage therapist, who I'm sure would love to hook you up. But we're going to believe God for supernatural healing. Amen. Thank you, Joel. Come on up. Husbands and wives, come up together as well. Let's lay hands upon her in the name of Jesus. Shoulder pain, neck pain, be healed right now. God, you are our healer. You care about big things and little things, the things that agitate us, the things that bother us matter to you. Lord, heal her body right now in Jesus' name. Congregation, as I'm praying, you can join with me as well. Women, keep praying for her. We believe in your healing right now. Natalie, would you come forward? We're going to believe God to set you free from depression. 
we believe that depression can come. And everybody listen to me because a lot of people struggle with depression these days. Don't ever be embarrassed about that. We know that depression can have two, two things, situational or physical, right? And I'm sure your doctor tries to help you do both and different things. So we're not saying to stop seeing the doctor or anything like that. A lot of times people with these issues get confused in church and they think, oh, I, the pastor doesn't want me to do that. No, continue to do